Hi there, and welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. This is the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world, real conversations with real artists. And in this episode of the Creative Endeavor, I'm talking to Thomas Fluhardy, who you might remember from a past episode or two of the Creative Endeavor. I really wanted to get Thomas back on because we had so much to catch up on and talk about. Now, in addition to hearing about what Thomas has been up to in his creative journey, some of the things that he's doing with licensing products and just creating some badass artwork. I mean, come on. If you're not already following Thomas Fluhardy on Instagram, you are missing out. I'm going to make sure I put his Instagram handle in the uh, show notes or the description that goes along with this episode. So go and follow him over there. Check out what he's up to. I've also provided a link to his website over there. But I, Thomas Fluhardy is one of these guys that I just find so inspiring. He doesn't stop creating. He just keeps going and going and going. He drills down into his art practice, and he just wants to keep drawing and drawing and drawing and really master that subject. And that, that mentality that he's applied to his drawing, he's just become an absolute, he's a genius. He's just become an absolute master of that medium, particularly those blue line sketches that he's famous for now. But he's also now starting to drill down into painting more and more, and it was great to hear him reflect on his experience there. But in addition to this, I wanted to actually pick Thomas Fluhardy's brain about a particular art character, somebody, a, a, an artist that we're probably all familiar with in one way or another. Some of us tend to put this artist down. Some of us tend to make him the butt of jokes. Others hold him in high regard. He's one of these really divisive artists. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Thomas Kincaid. Now, Many years ago, I put out a video where I was talking about my art heroes, and I, I was thinking of three art heroes that I was putting on my list of people that I found really inspiring. And those three artists were Carl Rungus, who I just love from an artistic standpoint. Again, an, another genius, a German-born American artist, fantastic for his on-plane-air sketches, his wildlife paintings, just an epic guy. Somebody that was out there just being totally absorbed in his craft. Robert Bateman somebody who had a, a sense of a mission and a, and a cause and just ran with something, and, and also just an epic painter. But Thomas Kincaid was on that list. And from a business standpoint, I really admire Thomas Kincaid. Now, I know there was a bit of shady stuff going on there, but still, credit where credit's due. How does an artist, a painter of little Christmas kitschy little cottages sell $4 billion worth of artwork with his licensing, his stuff on stuff, as Thomas Fluhardy puts it. How does Kincaid sell $4 billion worth of artwork in his lifetime? And he died well before his time. That was something that I've always found really interesting and really fascinating, just mind-blowing. It's unprecedented. It's never been done before. It probably won't ever be done again. And so Thomas Kincaid, from the beginning, has kind of been on my radar as somebody to look at and go, wow, what did he do that worked? And so when I mentioned this in a video, yeah, okay, I got a lot of hate. People like, Kincaid, why is Kincaid on your list? I'm like, well, you know, I don't put him up there from a painting standpoint, but come on, the guy did some things right. And when Thomas Fluhardy heard about this, he's like, hey, Andrew, have you, you heard of this book, The Billion Dollar Painter by Eric Kusky? You got to get your hands on this book. So I listened to the audio version while I was painting. It was so good. I listened to it again. And man, as soon as I put that book down, I was like, Fluhardy, you got to get back on the podcast, bro. We got to talk about this. 
and really just reflect on what the heck was that? And as Thomas Fluharty puts it, Kincaid's story is one from rags to riches to ruin. You know, there's some pretty epic stuff in that book, but where it ends up, not in a good way, not in a good place. But there was some stuff that happened there over Thomas Kincaid's life that I think all of us could take a lesson from in many different ways. Anyway, I found this conversation with Thomas Fluharty to be so inspiring. Man, this guy just, he pumps me up. As soon as I put down the call with this guy, I just feel like going out there and just, oh, punching life right in the teeth and just getting back to the drawing board and just whipping out another drawing or another painting or something, just just getting getting after it, you know what I mean? And that, that's what these conversations are all about. I really hope they do the same for you. And I hope this is something that's helping you pass the time while you're painting or drawing or whatever creative pursuit you're engaged in. As always, please leave me a rating or review on whatever audio platform you're listening on. That really helps the podcast grow. I really appreciate that. And without further ado, let's get stuck into it here. This is Thomas Fluharty and The Creative Endeavor. Thomas Fluharty, welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. It is so good to have your company again. Dude, it's awesome to be here. I, I miss you. I, we haven't chatted in quite a while, but you know, I follow you and uh, I'm always inspired. You're always in my feed and uh, I'm just always inspired by you. So it's, uh, it's super cool to get together and sort of just talk, especially what we're going to talk about. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's awesome to see you, dude. Awesome. And congrats. I think you had a baby, not you, but your wife, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it was a team effort. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did. Easy. Our, our son, our, yeah, I, I got the easy part, but um, <laughs> my son was born um, about three months ago. His name's Hugo. And congrats, um, he's, That's just, awesome. he's a cutie and it's just so wow. good. Um, just hanging out and getting to know him, you know, uh, That's incredible, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I'm in the, I'm in the dad club. I know, I know. It's a, uh, it's an amazing club and it just flies by and you're going to be 59 years old someday soon. And your, your kid's going to be graduating and it's like, oh my gosh, going to be in college. And it's like, where did, where did, th I'm looking back like, where did 30 years just go? 30 years just flew by, wow. you know, like it's just crazy. My daughter, my oldest daughter's 30, uh, 27, 26, 20 four 23 and it's just nuts you know they're all all five of my daughters are like young ladies and just incredible you know wow to me. Man. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome it's incredible and it's it's uh you know because you're a young whippersnapper i'm a young whippersnapper i, I consider myself but like yeah. you know like you've got <laughs> you've got your hands full because you've got, you've got, you know, your wife, you've got your little boy and now, and then you've got art going on and it's like, oh my gosh, like there's not enough time in the day, you know? And, yeah. and yet yeah. we all get the same amount of time. And as long as you can be home and, and have them there and bring them into your studio and have them run into your studio, it's just the rhythm of life. That's so cool. You know, mm -hmm. like I, I actually, uh, I'm doing this, uh, book with, um, 
uh, uh, curate editions. Sorry if I'm plugging this new book. I don't. I don't oh, mean do that. it. Please plug it. Okay, yeah. this book. No, uh, <laughs> it's like a 300-page book of the last 40 years of my life. And wow. in there, in the intro, I say basically the cool thing about art is it's not it's not number one. It could be, and I dig it like intensely. But the cool thing about it, it's like it's the rhythm of life, and it's putting art in its proper perspective with the rhythm of life from birthday parties and, um, you know, hanging out with my wife or, or you know, my f- family coming over dinners, um, swim, going to the swimming pool. And then art in its right place becomes something I'm intensely excited about getting back to. Mm-hmm. But if I served art and I drank from art, it would never satisfy completely. You see what I mean? So it's yeah, like, and sure. I know you know this, I think we've had these yeah. conversations, but yeah. it's just that cool thing where your, your little boy's going to be coming in to your mm-hmm. studio, your wife mm-hmm. will be there and you'll get it all done. It's just incredible. You know, I, I'm really struggling at the moment with the whole work-life balance. I must admit, uh, I, yeah. of course, for me, my priority, um, and, and we're both Christian here uh, for me, my priority is that relationship to God. Uh, okay. Yeah. So we'll get that to one side, but it, it really is yeah. family first. And then art, but I do find myself, you know, in the last few weeks, even struggling to find that, that work-life balance of going, okay, uh, what do I, (laughs) how do I get it all done? And now I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not gonna, so maybe I could just enjoy the ride and just, it just kind of flow with it a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't really know what to do with any time off or any relaxation time or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just one of those guys that's always uh, creating. I know you're a bit like that too. And by the way, speaking of feeds, man, I love seeing your posts come up because pretty much every time I, I pick up the phone, I jump onto Instagram. There's some of these beautiful drawings there. And, and I just Thank want people to know, um, please go back and listen to the other episodes with Thomas Fluhardy. Go back and listen to the first one and then go back and listen to that lockdown special that we recorded a little while back. Um, that was pretty, pretty cool episode. It was such a pleasure to, to talk to yeah. you. And I'm curious though, um, yeah. how have you found things over, over the last uh, couple of years? How are you doing with your art and your creativity with all this outside stuff going on? Yeah, no, I mean, it's been, um, it's been incredible. I, I haven't skipped a beat. Um, I try not to be afraid. I turn off the news um, and I just create and uh, have life and, and have a life with my family here. And uh, basically life is online, you know, I mean, uh, work is online. Um, I've been, we've been online. T- I've been online teaching for 12 years with schoolism, schoolism.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's like, it, we didn't, we didn't skip a beat. Like it wasn't like we had to scramble all of a sudden to go online. We already were. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm just so freaking excited to create, uh, screw the virus, you know, like I live in, I live in South Dakota. I mean, I went into this bar to get a burger, uh, you know, right in 2020, like May or June or maybe July and no one had a mask on. This was 2020. This was when the world had ended and everything was over and there's unemployment lines wrapped around the corner, supposedly, you know, I'm saying the world had ended and it's just like ridiculous, but I get it. We were afraid. We were like, what's going to go on? Where did this thing come from? All this crap. Right. Is, is, am I going to get any work? And I had to think about those things, but I basically had them build my studio right in the throes of it. Uh, when we, j- we had just moved here and they built my studio and I never, ever, I mean, I had an amazing year. I didn't, I didn't, uh, 
I mean, I had to cancel some travels. Like we were supposed to go to Spain. We were supposed to go to uh, Ireland. And those were cool, cool events, cool little um, happenings and stuff. But actually chilling out and hanging here was so cool because I don't, I didn't have to go anywhere to make money, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, just with the rhythm of my life with posting and engaging and drawing the things that I absolutely love and making them available as prints and and diversifying my skills. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I haven't suffered in that way. I haven't, I haven't seen a decline because my, you know, my, my speaking engagements or whatever you want to call it, going out and doing workshops, that, that's not, that's a, that's a small part of what I do. Mm-hmm. But all that to say was right around August last year, I finally did event, I did a workshop out in Colorado, which was insanely cool. So cool. Cause I love, I love hanging out with artists. I love getting together and engaging, you yeah. know, like it's so freaking cool. Like I can't wait to meet you and just mm-hmm. go out and, and eat, eat a burger and talk and just go freaking nuts, you know, like go crazy. Be so much fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, man. Awesome. It's 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 a rhythm of life that we have to figure out as creatives as mm. to man, we we've we it's like creator die. That's like a shirt I want to make, right? Creator die because I shrivel up if I'm not creating, and actually yeah. I'm creating all the time. <laughs> like Do you know I'm, years ago when I first uh, started my YouTube channel, it's interesting that you say that because I I I said in an interview like many, many years ago, I think it might've even been on The Abundant Artist with Corey Huff like years and years ago. Um, and, and I was saying like, I wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't making art. So for me, and and, and if I didn't make this work as a full-time um, job and as my career, I would die. Like it's, it's either art or death. Yeah. And so then I was like, yeah. oh, that's a, that's a really cool, if you're listening to this, do not steal it. It's already mine. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so it's, it's either. I've already death. wrote it down. <laughs> so, so I started, I started thinking, oh, that would look so cool in a t-shirt. And in some of my early YouTube videos, you'll see me wearing that skull. And then yeah. the skull's got the sunglasses on and all the nice. and paint and stuff. It was like really cool nice. graphic. And then, then I was kind of like, oh, do I want death in there? But it, it's kind of, yeah. it's interesting to hear you say that because creator died, yeah. art or death. It's we're, we're, yeah. we're parallel here, brother. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it's just, that's just the way it is. I mean, we, we can't turn it off. Yeah. You know, you, you really can't turn off being creative. Like I, 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 I work with a, uh, uh, I have a mentor thing that I do. And this one guy uh, reached out to me from um, Bulgaria. And I have also had another dude show up to an event. I was just at in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And this is a crane operator. And he just follows me and loves drawing. But he's a crane operator. You know, he's yeah. another dude that's like works for waste management in, in the upper escalons of like uh, management at, at, a, at a trash management company. And he draws insanely cool, like awesome. And I'm like, dude, this sounds crazy to say. Not a lot of people really draw that well. You do. I'm like, wow. be encouraged, right? So it's like yeah. this, this whole thing of, of no one can stop you from creating, regardless of what you do. If you drive a taxi cab, um, you got some time to draw, you know, whatever it is. So I'm saying it's, it is that we come alive when we do that. When we create, we come alive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm also feeling a little bit guilty right now because since our first conversation that inspired me when you were saying, you know, just draw every day, I was thinking, oh, wow. And so I started this sketch endeavor series where <laughs> I challenged myself to draw two hours a day. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't done an episode of that for like a year. That's <laughs> okay, like, dude. You spread and, now, thin. and now I'm like going, okay, you know what? 
2022. Let's do it. Let's do it. Dude, I'm, I'm going the opposite way. I, I've been drawing every day. I'm yeah. now painting. I'm paint. I got, I got five, six paintings over there just started that they're, I'm all, I'm all in these different phases because yeah. I said like, uh, you know, I, I draw better than I do anything mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in terms of the skill sets of like drawing and painting. I've drawn way more. So I want to work on what I haven't done a lot of in terms of how many hours and it's all one and the same it's not like separate but i wanted to put myself in situations that were problematic and difficult to wiggle out of and that's why i'm painting like crazy right now and i I also want to solve problems i'm trying to like i'm trying to uh with the dutch flemish and direct painting i'm trying to figure out because i got this big painting i'm going to do on these cowboys the saloon fight um, I, I'm, I'm working out I'm training and I'm experimenting and I'm thinking and I'm, and so it's cool in the, in the process, but it's like my goal now, man, is just to freaking paint as much as I can. So I'm doing little studies all over, just like that little study you did. That was insanely cool. That little aerial shot of the, uh, of the landscape. Was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm actually that working awesome. on that right now. And I, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to try a little bit of a looser technique on this painting. Um, ended up getting up the, the the double zero pointed round again, you know, you know me, but I, yeah. I, I I'm, I'm just pouring into this because I, I took a helicopter trip just recently um, to, to go and pick up our parents to bring them here, my, wow. my wife's mom, mother and That's father true. to bring them here to come and see us. And, and, and I was thinking, look, I just want to give them an experience that they're never going to forget. Uh, that'd be, be so much fun and and then i want to see this landscape where where we oh live now God. from the air that's and coming, insane coming back i was thinking i'm gonna paint this and then immediately i could just see in my mind the helicopter bill which is insane uh becoming tax deductible i'm like cool that's a business ride yeah. <laughs> there we go but it's a fun painting all man. right so look when i come and visit you yeah when I come and visit you in New Zealand, you got to pick me up in a helicopter. You've got to promise me. Uh, let's do it, man. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Let, let's get back to your painting. It's freaking awesome. I love seeing these studies and I'm like, just leave it like it is. Don't, don't get your triple zero brush out. Leave it just as it is. It's so cool. Oh, I know, but Dude, it's you awesome. know, when you, when you zoom in, when you look at the landscape from that, that extreme aerial perspective, and then you start zooming in on the little details, it's, it's there that I was just start going, oh, wow, look at this, look at this, look at the way this shifts in tone. Look at the difference between the grass and the sunlight yeah. and then the, yeah. the grass and the shadow and, and how that, that boundary looks. And so I'm just, I'm pouring into it. I'm playing with it, but I, but I appreciate that, man. I, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Cheers, man. Well, look, I, I there, there's so many directions I want to go in with this conversation. So much stuff I want to talk to you about. But really, when we were messaging just off mic and and talking over the last few months, uh, you recommended to me, um, I think maybe it was about a year ago or around there, you, you were like, hey, look, you know, you mentioned Thomas Kincaid in one of your posts, I think you saw that online somewhere, I'd put it out there, that he was one of my uh, hero artists. And and I just want to qualify that for a second, because a lot of people be going, hang on, why is why was Thomas Kincaid in your top three heroes? Because I, I look at artists from a, not just a technical standpoint or a right. personal, you know, it, it's, it's a personal philosophy standpoint, but then also a business standpoint. And I couldn't exactly. think of another artist that had done such an amazing job with their business than Thomas Kincaid. He broke so yeah. many records. And, and I, 
I only yeah. had a little piece of the puzzle. I had just a little bit of insight into them. Not, I didn't really know the full story. And that's when you said, hey, dude, check out this book, The Billion Dollar Painter by Eric Kusky. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta have a look at that and 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 tell me what you think. And then after putting that book down, I, I listened to the audio version mm-hmm. in my in my studio. Fantastic, yeah. amazing book. After I put that down, like I was just kind of, it was a paradigm shift for me because I was like, wow, what the heck was that? And then later, I, l- I listened to yeah. it again. I'm like, Thomas, you got to come back. We got to talk about this book. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you could yeah. just give us a bit of a. A little brief, well, synopsis, if you will, but a little bit of a brief Mm -hmm. overview for the people listening that have not heard of Thomas Kincaid, who was he and and what kind of stuff did he do? Why is he an important artist for us to have on our radar? If he is, maybe a biased question there, but for me, I personally think it's important to be aware of this story, good and bad. Anyway, I'll leave it there. I'd love to hear what you think about it. It's a great question. First of all, I'm not like the most qualified person to talk about Thomas Kincaid, like I'm going to expound and, 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 you know, say stuff that like, that I'm a, have any authority. Um, of course. I don't, but I will say this, I've had a major shift in my view of Thomas Kincaid after listening to his, after buying the billion dollar painter, I listened to it and I, and I mainly bought it because of the licensing side of it. Not mm. so much that, Oh man, I love Thomas Kincaid's work. I was like, I need, I've, I was studying, I've been studying licensing for like the past eight, eight years, maybe. And so when I, um, when I uh, bought this book, the licensing uh, jewels in this, in this book, the licensing gold was off the charts. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. I learned so much about what not to do. And I also learned a ton about what to do, but it really put him, it put, licensing in perspective for me and all i mean by licensing is it's like putting your stuff on stuff that's all licensing is put your stuff on stuff and sell it right so he's uh he blew up um and so there's also an interesting story uh of his life that is gigantic as well so thomas kincaid is like a punching bag and he's a he's a butt of jokes and he is you know hey if you want to fix and you want to save a thomas kincaid painting put a t-rex in there with a lightning coming out of his mouth torch in the little town that he that he painted that's how you save a thomas kincaid painting everybody laughs right so i'm i'm here to maybe be a little more gentle on thomas because it it as i've listened to the book now five times maybe six i, I lost count I literally listen to this thing about once a year because it's it's just mind-boggling. Mm, it's freaking mm. unbelievable. Well, the wealth is insane that came his way. But but his if so so the licensing, the failures, the the how many times this company was bankrupt, how many times it was over and then it wasn't over and then uh, basically I say the story is is a story from rags to riches to ruin. That's really what this story is about, Thomas Kincaid. And I'm, I'm here to be gentle with him. I'm not here to like be uh, like make fun of him. Mm. I just I, I actually have I feel sad. I feel bad for him. And James Gurney was his best friend. James Gurney is uh, alive today. He did Dinotopia. And I've chatted to James once or twice. James is an amazing artist, amazing advocate for art. And uh, he's just a great human being. But he was he was best friends with Thomas. He's in the book. And, um, you know, uh, 
I, I hope that James, if he were to listen to this, that he would, he would realize we're not here to bash Thomas. The one thing to think about too, it's like, if you succeeded at the realm and with the success that came his way, what would that do to you? Oh my goodness. Personally with me, I have no clue. I have no clue what uh, $4 billion uh, of my work would do. And literally his, his company went beyond the $4 billion uh, mark uh, money. And, and that's never, ever been done. And they said, even on the back of the book, it says, if you were to add up all the artists in the history of the world, not all of them together never made $4 billion. Thomas Kincaid has. Thomas King, now, that's not all in his pocket. That's what Thomas Kincaid's work, his name, has generated. You have to respect that. You have to say, what the heck? How did this happen? And it's just, you know, your, your brain just goes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's mental. And 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 I, I like what you said there, because again, this is not a Thomas Kincaid uh, uh, bashing uh, session at all. I, I mean, so I said previously that he was in my top three artists of all time. He's still there. He's still there, despite the fact that, you know, yeah, look, he went from rags to riches to ruin. And maybe he did some things there at the pinnacle, just as that roller coaster reached the top of that, that precipice, just before it plummeted down at a rate of yeah. knots and crashed and burned. You know, he yeah. did some things that, you know, a lot of people would look at and go, you know what, that's just plain wrong. And maybe they are, maybe they are. But, but again, I, I try not to judge the guy from that standpoint because yeah, like you say, I have no idea what what that kind of wealth would do to me. I'd like to think, you know, here from this point of view, I'd be, well, I'd put it into this charity and I would do this right. because I'm a stand-up right. guy. But right, right, right. You also we also yeah. have to realize that when you hear his story and you hear his childhood and you hear about his beginning, you know, uh, father had left the picture and yeah. then he's 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 going hungry, literally. You know, yeah. it's, it's like Christmas yeah. Day every time his mother shows up to the house with groceries. So this yeah. is a kid who went hungry. What yeah. is that kind of uh, lack and hunger that not only is in your stomach, but also in your soul? What does that kind of hunger yearn for? You know, you also yearn for validation and acceptance and all those sorts yeah. of things. But but to, to just to to create when you when you see those paintings. Where did the nice little cabin in the woods with the beautiful warm light, and it's a little bit cold outside, but the little beautiful warm light flickering inside, where did that yeah. idea or that image came from? It came from a need to be someplace safe and warm and beautiful. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. And it's born yeah, out of that lack. And, and it's like, it's like as yeah. soon as you hear it, yeah, everybody's like, oh, that's vomitous, that's kitsch, that's crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. do you have any right. idea of the place, that the, the hell that that image came yeah. from? It's weird, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's interesting. I never really thought of it. Um, it, it. It's it's almost like there are a thousand things we could say right now about this whole story. Mm. Like all of them would be like jumping points. You could just jump right off and talk about. We got time. I mean, the one thing that comes to my mind, and I was going to say this at some point, he he was trained classically, or you know, in art school. And he had fundamentals that were working for him. His earlier work, I actually would see something that he did and I'd say, that, that, that's cool. I like that. Uh, but then I'd see like a figure in the painting. I'd be like, nah, that's, that he doesn't have enough knowledge of the figure. It's fine. But, but he, he, had, he had the one thing that he lost was a clear, concise light source. 
at the end of the day, light was coming from everywhere. And that's not how it works. You have to have a light source. It has to come from one direction. You can't just freaking light up a whole scene like everywhere. Like what the hell is going on here? And that's really when he got lost. He got so lost that he, it sounds cliche, but he really lost the light. The light in him dimmed so terribly dark because of alcoholism. And that's his weakness. I'm not bringing a judgment against him. We all have our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to say, when you hear the story and you realize how lost he got in his life and he lost his family and he lost his, ch- his daughters and they left him and he ended up dying alone in a mansion with a, with, a, with a chick that he met and he had black fingernails and long black hair with hair extensions that he just came from uh, um, Kentucky, the Kentucky Derby. And everybody's like, who the hell are you? And he's got like, you know, motorcycle rings on. You'd be like, wait, you're not, you're Thomas Kincaid. And it was just bizarro goneness, right? Like he was just gone. And so what I'm getting at is as he, as he had fundamentals and he had this joy and this passion to be discovered and to be found and to, to do this, like just like you and I, we're like excited, right? And, and the, this whole circumstance of events of how the people sat down to them at a, at a wedding, this, this guy that was a Kirby uh, vacuum salesman, and he gives him this card and they become friends. And he's like, I'm going to take you and I'm going to take you out there and I'm going to, I'm going to market you. And so this Kirby vacuum salesman and then another Kirby vacuum salesman. And then these, these three guys, Thomas and these other two guys just go after it. And they start doing work and showing up in parking lots and, and Cali and painting the sunset. And Thomas was an engaging guy. He could, he could stand and talk to a crowd that shows up and he was just like, he was dynamic. He was evangelistic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I look at, at the fundamentals and the cool little things that he did in the beginning and where his work went, it, it became so sad and so lost and kitschy. It did become very kitschy and, and uh, plastic and, and, and not deep. But that's a whole nother conversation as well as to why he had to paint 12 a year. So that's a whole nother thing, but I'm just saying, mm, mm. I, I, I say this um, with respect of weakness and brokenness as a human being and, um, and him getting lost in his weakness. And, and then what you said was fantastic where uh, these are, this imagery is coming out of this fear of no money. He, he didn't have money and he, he was, and then he ended up having, you know, bill a billion dollars, like, mm. <laughs> you know, this, yeah. It's just like, it's just insanity. Uh, it, absolutely. And you know, it, it's, it's interesting. So just to give people a little bit of an insight that, that haven't listened to the book or don't know the story, he started, it was pretty humble beginnings and, and, you know, rough childhood, but then humble beginnings, just as he started his professional career, he was, he was painting on the sidewalk in Carmel, yeah. I, I think it was in, in, in California. And yeah. so he's, he's painting on the sidewalk there. And this guy walks past, that's the vacuum Kirby uh salesman was that ken i forget uh, yeah it was i think it was ken yeah so he walks past he sees this painting and he just uh, he, he looks at these paintings and he does a quick calculation in his head and then he makes a pitch to thomas kincaid says look i can take you from here to mm-hmm. to, to here let, let's let's market this thing 
the thing that I, I I've got to say this just from a positive, the thing that I liked about this, cause I I've, I've looked at the business side of things, right? I've yeah. looked at the, I've looked at the motivational mindset side of things. And, and there are so many books that talk about this uh, diversification, but also delegation, like you delegate tasks, delegate your, your low priority tasks to mm-hmm. somebody else, hand that over to somebody else. So you can focus on your high priority tasks. And, yeah. and it was very interesting because I see, I saw Thomas Kincaid as a master delegator. So he was taking these things that he didn't necessarily mm-hmm. have in his skill set. Somebody else took it, ran with it. And then he just started accumulating the team. Now, was it Thomas Kincaid yeah. doing that? Or did he have somebody yeah. just grab him and take him and run? Yeah, maybe. But I still look at that and I go, wow, okay, at least he had the 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 presence of mind to keep those people around that that took him in that direction. But there's something going on here that that I think a lot of us artists suffer from. And I, I in particular, I do suffer from this, which is when you get feedback from the market, when you, when you yeah. sell something and, and it's yeah. like, oh, wow, that worked. You make the sale and suddenly it's a little nice little pat on the back and you get something monetary for it. You get a little reward. You want to repeat that process without actually realizing what gave yeah. birth to that yeah. painting or drawing in the first place. You were inspired. You were yeah. honest. You were right. authentically searching yeah. for something. Yeah. Now yeah. that you get feedback, you're like, oh, I'm going to do that again. But the, yeah. the impetus is gone. Now, instead yeah. of doing it because exactly. you're inspired, you're yep. doing it now for an outcome. And yep. I think that's when he lost the light, that might have been that point where it's like in the background, you, all you can hear is that cash machine, ching, 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 yeah. ching. And, and the art leaves at that point. What, what happened was he went public. They went public with uh, Thomas Kincaid magi i think it was called magi or something mm-hmm. uh well they had had many names that they changed it from but when he went when he when he he was the first artist to go on the new york stock exchange floor and be traded and be become uh a, do a public offering and Amazing. he then he then owed people he owed uh shareholders so he then had to paint in a certain way to make money so he was no longer free to paint a freaking monkey smoking a, a cigarette. He he had to paint these scenes that just drained him. And he had to paint. They took hours. And he had to paint like 15 a year. Mm-hmm. So, so be careful about success. Like success is not what you're after. Yeah, you are after succeeding. But like, it's almost like success is doing exactly what you want. That's what success is. And if money follows you, $4 billion follows you, uh, be careful. But I mean, I, if $4 billion followed me, I wouldn't turn it down. But I'm simply saying it's tricky. When he went public, that's what happened. He had to paint a certain way and he was no longer free. He was, he was in bondage to his, his, his table. The other thing that I noticed too after listening five times to this is he wasn't so, I mean, so I'm not in so much disagreeing with you. I'm just adding another, another Go layer. Ahead, no, please and, and feel I'm free not, to disagree too. I, I don't, have I'm to not so, it out. I'm, and James Gurney would probably know more than I would. I've just mm. listened numerous times and really have listened to this thing. Um, I don't think he was so much a master delegator. I think he was just a, uh, uh, he just wanted to go paint. He just wanted like you and I, like, mm. I don't want to freaking. I don't want to add all these jobs in that need to be added into my book, man. I just want to draw this painting. I just want to paint this. I just want to do that. So, you know, like, we're like, we're like into this, like, 
we just want to get back to our easel. So I think, and as I heard this, this is really, and you listen as you get to the end of the book, Thomas just wanted to go paint and he hid, he hid at his easel. It's easy. to. So this is again, where we all fit into this. It's easy to run away from your problems and go to your happy place and paint and draw. Mm. Sometimes I've got to deal with stuff. Sometimes I got to do taxes sometimes. And I hate taxes. Sometimes I got to go out and mow my lawn. I got to go do something. Mm. And, you know, I'm just saying like, so these other two guys, I can't remember their names. Ken was one and I can't remember the other dude, but these were the guys that were really running the business. Mm. And then, and then as it, as it, as it blew up, they were, they were at this place in Alameda. I think it was like Alameda Boulevard or something. And it was just like that you had, you had arrived when you, when you finally, as, as, um, as the work blew up, they went to the New York, uh, New York art show. And, 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 and then um, I think it was, um, uh, who was it? Uh, oh my goodness. It's a, uh, it was on the back of uh, the parade magazine, Sunday magazine. It was um, uh, the Franklin Mint. They, oh, they saw yeah, his work at this show. And when yeah. the Franklin Mint saw his work, they said, we could put you on the, in our magazine and we could sell this like crazy. When they did it, it freaking blew up. And, and, he was, and then that's what started everything. So he went to a show, put his work up. Franklin Mint came and showed up and everything blew up. But then he, it just, I'm saying, you know, uh, you know, you, you do something and then something freaking blows up and then you're, you're along for the ride. That's mm. not a terrible thing. I have a friend that uh, her, her son was uh, Spencer Breslin and uh, I knew him as a three-year-old and I'd see him at church and he'd be like, Tom, tar, tar. He'd want to play my guitar. And she and we were like, this little kid is incredible. He's incredible. Everybody seen me be like, he's awesome. So she goes, you, they, and we're in New York City. They go, you should get him an agent. Got him an agent. Next thing, he's in a Michael Jordan commercial, and then he's like, he's everywhere. And then he's in Disney's movie, The Kid. He's the kid in the Disney with Bruce Willis, the kid. Oh, and wow. it's just crazy. So, so all of a sudden, he has his whole career. His sister then gets into acting. Uh, Abigail Breslin, who's in. Um, uh, 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 it's it's um. She won an. Uh, she was up for an Academy Award, Mr. Sunshine, or Little Miss Sunshine, or whatever. She's the one that goes. Ah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's yeah. she's a rock star. She's so, she's so this whole now. thing. This whole thing blew up. We know them, right? And it's just like you just look at their lives, and some people could be like, "Well, you shouldn't have done that. You put your kids here, or there." No, you just simply do something great, and then something happens, and then all of a sudden, uh, fame and money and all this stuff comes at you. How do you know how you'll handle it? So those are the things I'm a little more gentle on, like just saying like, hmm. it, it, was, it was a crazy thing that happened. It's a phenomena that happened with Kincaid, you know, really hmm. was. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if, if I haven't said this already, so if you're listening to the audio version of this, do not forget, you can find the video version on my Patreon page. And for five bucks a month, you can get yourself a Q&A video, critique video. You get access to the past live streams. You get special videos that aren't going to be found anywhere else. And you always get the video version of the podcast as well. So for five bucks a month, there's more content there than you could shake a stick at, more hours than you have. So go and check it out and uh, claim this year. Take, make 2022 uh, the year where you just take charge of your creative journey and kick it 
and go and follow Thomas while you're at it. Hey, uh, so thanks for that little Thank plug. <laughs> but uh, so what I do is I, I put up this video version there for, for my patrons, but the, the audio version, which now is getting out there to more and more people, which is, it's incredible. A lot of people are downloading Absolutely. the audio, but this That's is just awesome. something extra that I thought I could add to, to encourage my patrons who are like the hardcore fans, you know? That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Awesome, man. So, so, um, let's, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of positive things. So when I look at, at Thomas Kincaid and what, what I, what I, what I was kind of taken away from that whole book is I started looking at it going, okay, there are strategies here. There are some real positive things here that I can take away from this. You could see where the pitfalls are. You can see where, where some of the, the benefits are. Let me avoid those pitfalls. Let me go for those benefits. Mm -hmm. I was looking at it from a business standpoint going, okay, how do I go ahead? And, and I don't, I don't want to go public, right? I don't want to, I don't want to create yeah. a monster like that uh, in terms of mm -hmm. like this business that consumes me. Yeah. Uh, but how do I take these strategies? Like, like maybe the licensing, like you were talking about, I'd love to pick your brain on licensing. Cause this is something that I've, I've thought about. But, or, you know, how do I maybe build a team? How do I think about diversifying in, in such a way? Because I'll tell you where I'm coming from. You know, we've seen over the last two years, I knew something was coming because something always comes. It doesn't make yeah. me a profit yeah. or anything, but yeah. it's yeah. like when the financial crisis hit back in 2008 in Western yeah. Australia, where I was at the time, we were insulated from that a little bit, but yeah. I crashed and burned. And, and a lot of galleries did, a lot of artists yeah. suffered uh, sure. from that. And, yeah. and from losing my business and going through that experience, I was like, how do I never go through this again? And then it yeah. happened again. And, and then I was like, okay, how do I really, really never go through this again? And, and my thinking was, okay, diversification's key. There are strategies yeah. here. Get sure. online, uh, you know, do prints, do teaching, do this, do that, uh, get some products in there. And then yeah. and don't spread yourself thin, but have one central thing that you do and then have things that feed off that central thing, but be smart about this. So that's yeah. when I was listening to this book, I was like, there's still some gold here in terms of business strategy. And, and for me, I was thinking, I want to explore this thing about licensing. That sounds cool. So, so in your last eight years of researching licensing, what are some of the things that you've kind of come across? What are some of the things that you're doing or, or how are you thinking about this and, and how are you going to use it to, to, you know, propel your business even further? Cause dude, I mean, if there's something that I can see putting stuff on stuff, you got some great stuff. I'd love to get some stuff with your stuff on it. Oh, that's awesome. It's Thanks. so cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant, uh, to, to, to take the jump basically. Like, okay. So I have a friend, uh, Darren Gigi, G Y G I Darren Gigi, uh, great artist. Uh, I know his, he and his wife, Megan. Um, and, uh, he started, they learned licensing, um, how to license Darren's work. And it kind of goes like this. It's, it kind of goes like this. It's like, um, he's an artist. She's a thinker. And she has a great business sense. And they're both incredible human beings, great, great people. So because uh, editorial uh, dried up, um, he said, she said, why don't you just start painting stuff for the house? And he's like, she, he's like, what? A tomato, paint a tomato. Goes, gets a tomato, puts it out, paints a tomato. Behind the tomato, he says, he spells the word tomato. Wow, genius. 
Not necessarily, but yes. Anybody else doing it? No. What if we made a, a, uh, a print of that, like in America, American, you know, quality. We started like making this as uh, something you could just hang in your house. Uh, American made, you know, like with a label on it, you know. And sure enough, next day, what do I paint now? Well, let's, let's fill up the, this paint stuff for the house. Uh, how about a loaf of bread? Great loaf of bread, bam, bread. And then it's just like, they just, they just did this like all the time. And then she went to Atlanta, to Atlanta Mart, and, um, and, and just got schooled. Because at Atlanta Mart, that's where shops and gift shops shop. So if you go into a gift shop and you see a, uh, a, a coffee mug and you say, you pick it up, you go, oh, this is cool. And you go, oh, dang, um, 15, 1599. Cool. Oh, I love this right here. Look at this. It's got a, it's got a tomato on there and it says tomato and you hold it and it says Darren Gigi, uh, DarrenGigi.com and you go, cool. And because um, Atlanta has a, uh, has all these things for sale, all these gift shops and, and Target goes to Atlanta, to Atlanta Mart, and just walks through the whole building by uh, ordering things for their store. So when you walk into a gift shop, you see this, you say, that's cool, I want it. And then they order 20 more from Darren, but it all goes back to Atlanta. So it's just all this product sitting in Atlanta at Atlanta Mart, and they have it in Vegas, they have it in um, Dallas. And it's just this, this gathering of goods that all these buyers from stores, uh, condes- you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not condescend. Uh, they, they, they go Congregate. to this. Yeah, they, 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 they flock to Atlanta and they, they just look for cool stuff to put in their stores, in their gift stores. And so if I have a cowboy now on a mug and they walk in and, and then they say, oh, that's incredible. I want that in my store. I think I can sell that. And then they say, we want to place an order for, um, well, let me see, I, this guy, I've never heard of him before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy 25 of these. What's the, what's the price for 25 uh, uh, wholesale? And then, uh, and then um, I say, uh, th- you know, wherever they're sitting, if I have a store there, if I have a table, I say, I'll sell you, um, you know, 25 of those at $8 a piece. And so they're going to take them back and they're going to sell them for 16 right? So they're going to make $8 every time they sell my cup. They sell it right out. They'll order more. So then all of a sudden, I'm creating this product for this one client. And I might have it duplicated over and over again. All of a sudden, Target goes there, sees it, buys it, put it in their store. All of a sudden, it blows up. Or I put my cowboy on a T-shirt. So I'm already moving in this direction. I'm just extremely hesitant because I... I'm just, I'm working through problems right now. So this whole licensing thing, putting my stuff on stuff, it's going to work. One second. I'll show you one thing I got. Hold on one second. Awesome. Awesome. Oh man. I hope you're watching the video version of this again, get it on Patreon. He's just going to get some stuff and show us his stuff on stuff. How cool is this? Check this out. So check this out. dude. So we're going to do t-shirt, but this is, this is a clock that I, I, that I, that I I ordered, right? I want one. And <laughs> I don't have them yet. This I just ordered from like Redbubble because yeah. I wanted to see what it would look like uh, just as it's a, it's, a, it's a prototype. So I ordered just one. It came in. I grabbed it and said, it's cheap. 
It's not what I want. I want freaking awesome quality. Yeah. So then I say, this cost me to make uh, $9. I okay. could sell this for 29 So mm-hmm. I'd make 20 bucks every time I sell this sucker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's gigantic. Most profit margins are 5%. Yeah. That a company, if they sell, if they sell this clock, they might make 5% off of this. If I make if I make 75% off of it or 60 or 50, it's like, oh my gosh, that's a huge profit margin. So I'm doing that on a multiple things in my, in my store uh, with whatever I sell, but it has to be quality. Thomas, can, can you share with me? So this cowboy book that you've worked on, this blue line series yeah. of drawings, talk to me about the book. Can you show it to us there? I, and again, I hope people are watching the video version of this podcast, but I, I want to see this book. That's amazing. Talk to me about that as a product. Thanks. So this is the book. I have three books out. Uh, one was schoolism, so I have four, but basically three books that I self-published. And again, this would be a drawing that I did and because I dug the drawing, I put, I sold it as a print. This would be what a print would look like. Um, Beautiful. It's a G clay. And I sell these all the time. People love cowboys. They love them in their house. It's that total quality G clay. But it's like when I did this drawing, it had a, it had a further purpose to end up in the book because I knew I was going to put together a cowboy book. And the reason why I knew this, people were asking me. So it's 72 pages of cowboy madness is just basically what it is. And it's just like there's 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 double page spreads. And it's just really exalting and delighting in the the, the joy of the, the beauty of a sketch and just like preliminary sketches like right here and then a tighter blue line sketch. And people will tell me a lot. They'll say things and they'll be like, dude, I just love your drawings. And so I just sort of focused on drawing over the last number of years. But I put it in a book. So this is just like, this is something that I sell. This is another really cool spread here as well. And then this is a print in my store as well. But it's just like, I'll, 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 I just love designing things in these books really big where they're just gigantic. There's also this, um, so here's like, this would be a perfect example of like the way I think. Um, if I showed you a drawing of this guy right here, mm-hmm. I want to see him big as well. So then I do him really big, you know, I'll like, I'll, I'll blow it up so you can see and get into it and see stuff. There's also, um, very cool. There's also, there's also this, uh, this is a perfect example right here of, of I love it. Yeah. Of this lady, uh, really, really cool. This old lady, but then I wanted you to, to get into her face and open up her face. And so I, I designed it and blew it up on, on, on the paper and, and just, just made it large so you can see you have the, the whole the whole actual image here but then you can see my line work and my my choices so that's what the whole book is but you know again you know you don't have to you don't have to start gigantic and hit a home run and think i'm going to do a 300 page book the 300 page book that i'm doing with current editions is just a, a um, something they pitched to me but I do these constantly because I do these about once a year. So I've got a dog book I want to do, just dog drawings. And I'm going to, and then I, I lay them all out and then I say, okay, now I want to say something. And then I get in and as I go in and start writing the book after it's all laid out, I literally write the book and I say, okay, what, what could I say about this? What, what would I say here that could be helpful or interesting or informative? 
And that's what that's how the book is laid out. It's it's like a, it's like an enjoying thing. It's like you enjoy it. Here's a chapter on double mindedness. And, and I talk about how I was double minded with this drawing. He has three, four arms because I wasn't for sure which one I was going to commit to. And I was so confused at the end of the day. But I, I then I talk about being double minded as an artist. So wow. that's a helpful thing because I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You know, we're all we're all like in a shamble in any given moment. We're like doubting and whatever. But anyways, that that's a perfect example of uh, of, of one idea of how I how I think and how I think about being helpful, but also monetizing it at the same time. But this is learning. I, this is uh, this is. We're right at the cusp of doing this, uh, taking all my cowboy stuff and putting it on stuff. So we have, we already know where we're going to get the shirts made and everything like that. So in the meantime, from this same place, I ordered this um, apron. So I don't know if you can see this, but I ordered the apron. I ordered this apron. And when it came in, it was completely cheap. Uh, I said, I can't sell this thing because it's cheap. Yeah. So then I, I had a place in Cali called Family Industries and they sell merch. Mm-hmm. So I came up with uh, I, I sent them my I, I basically I found the cool apron that feels good. That's heavy. It's mm-hmm. like quality. I'm like, that's the apron. How many of those? And I'm going to order I'm going to order a thousand of them. No, I'm going to order I'm going to order a hundred of them, I think a hundred. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. And this is the actual April. Uh, this is this cowboy. Cowboy. He's got, he's got the spatula. Cowboy. Yeah. Oh, genius. So, oh. so I, I think that this would sell. My point is I've got to too. work. <laughs> I've got to work on getting this cleaner on there. Yeah, cool. The problem. And, and, and then I've got to, I'm going to place an order and I'm just yeah. going to put it up in my store. But then if I sell them, I know I can, I believe I can sell them. Um, then I want to go to Atlanta and 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 rent a table, purchase a table, and 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 I have to have product made. So I have to have T-shirts. I have to have some prints that are already already have prints and I'm selling already. All that to say, it's like I, it's it's called the Tommy Flu Indigo Blue. It's like the 901 collection is what it's called, and it's just you could you could put all kinds of stuff on these things. But this this blue line thing that I'm doing works well on shirts and hoodies and stuff. So anyways, all that to say, it's what I learned from Thomas Kincaid about marketing and about licensing and, and then also going to some of these uh, conferences. And, um, and I had a licensing agent uh, uh, and I've, I've learned a ton. Now I'm ready to, to just do it. The problem is like, I gotta just, I gotta solve problems. And in the meantime, I'm just drawing and painting other things. So. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? I've got a, I've got a, uh, and I got a buddy of mine uh, that we're we're talking about really creating this stuff. So that's the licensing side of it. And once I create this stuff and order a hundred shirts or two hundred shirts and sell them in my store, we'll move forward from that place. But mm-hmm. it has to be total quality. So the apron now is quality. The clock, I, I got to find. In other words, I need someone to help me just solve these problems. That's the idea. Does that make awesome. sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and from having set up a a and and I I the the credit all the credit goes to my friend and my agent Andreas Busa, who's um, based in Perth in Western Australia, German guy, 
Um, he's the only agent that I'll deal with now. Uh, so awesome. he represents me over there in Perth. And we were having this chat about, you know, the way the world's going. We, we see things in a very similar way. He's also, you know, coming from a Christian worldview as well. And it was just a no brainer. We're like, you know what? We, we can't rely on the retail gallery sector anymore. So now licensing oh, no. is making more and more yep. sense and doing products. Yep. But he said, why don't we just start with prints? And let's get a more reliable system in place for limited edition prints. Yeah. Um, and, and the interesting thing was what 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 we twigged on in talking about that is going. I, I actually see, and the, another shameless plug here, but not really. Uh, but but I, I do see a, a bit of an issue with people knowing how to go about that. And what I wanted to do is set up this system where it's like, okay, all we need is the digital image. Once we get a high quality digital image then everything, every link in this chain is taken care of. So what this guy did, what Andreas did is he actually went and, and sorted out all the teething problems from, mm -hmm. you know, shipping, packing, handling, warehousing, certification, having yeah. a, a database with a barcode that matches your certificate of authenticity to the actual print, yeah. Um, yeah. the website, the click and, you know, it's delivered, all that type of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it was an amazing, stupendous feat. And this guy just took care of every link in the chain. Awesome. And when we're, where we're talking about it, I just said, look, I just want something that's easy. So, so yeah. if, if you get an order, all I need is, is the certificate. I, I got a brick of certificates right here. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I've got to sign these and ship them back to, wow. to Andreas. Incredible. And so, and so we're, we're, we, we've worked this thing out. And then the idea was, look, I want to involve, um, we, we want to start talking to other artists because you're not going to make it work with just Andrew Tischler. I, yeah. I said, once we get something up and working and it's awesome, I want to reach out to other artists who want to take place because so, it's a one-stop shop. The only thing you need is the digital yeah. image and then everything is taken care of. Yeah. But, you know, the licensing of merch, it's a really interesting space being on YouTube because I haven't really done this yet, but every other YouTuber out there is doing merch. So it's like they, yeah. they take a little logo or a little something that they've got yeah. that relates to their content and their channel, and they'll put it on a hat, and they'll put it on a t-shirt, and they'll, yeah. they'll yeah. deal with a third-party site like yeah. Teespring yeah. or something like yeah. that. Right. Um, right. And, and so... The real question for me is like in going into licensing, what I want is I want control over everything. <laughs> like I want yeah. to see it. And I like what you're doing. It's like you get the prototype in, you check the quality. And if it ain't the best, it's not happening. You know, it's either a hundred percent or not at all. Right. And, and I, I, go, go, no, go. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, well, so I, I guess, I guess in that uh, it's, it, it's how, how have you found that balance of, of really just trying to control every aspect of this and how do you know when to let go? Because licensing really is an exercise in trusting the people that are going to be manufacturing that product because that's, I, I, in a way, that's where the pro there's only one you and what are you going to be doing? I mean, you've got to be drawing and painting yeah. and doing that sort of stuff. Right. So how do you balance that? that out and, and let go and let, let that process take place. You need, you need one other person for sure to, to run it, to, to run with it, to have vision and to have taste. Mm -hmm. you, you have to have vision and you have to have taste. You have to know this is awesome. This is incredible. Like for example, on my prints, very early on in my print, in, in my store, I, I, I was, I picked a few people's brains. I picked Pascal Campion, I picked Bobby Chu and Tom Richmond. And I said, where do you, and, and Stephen Silver, I said, where do you guys get your prints made? Because I'm, I'm going to start my, I'm going to create a store. I'm going to start selling prints. 
and they all told me and I ordered and, and, they, and Bobby and Pascal also told me about my price points, what, what, how much I can literally sell a print for. Like you just can't sell a print for $10,000. You ain't going to sell anything. You have to have, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a world of like, hey, prints go for $30 or $180 or if they're G Clay's $500 or whatever, right? And you got to know where you're going to go. So basically I picked their brains. I got, I got all, I did prints of, of my work and got them back, looked at them, held them, held it in my hand and said, this feels cheap. And then I, I got another one said, this feels cheap. Nah. And then like, I started doing these photo prints from this place in Minneapolis. And I sent a, a print out to, um, and I, I think I was selling my prints for $30 in my store. They were photo prints. And I got this note from this person in Russia and she said, man, I love your work. I was really disappointed when I got the print. She goes, it was a photo print. I was really hoping it would be a nice print. And from that day on, I stopped selling crap or cheaper versions or the cheapest or looking at it economically like, nah, Nah, I can, I'm only, dude, I'm, this only costs a dollar to make. I'm selling it for 30. I'm making incredible profit. Dude, that sucks because is it great? Is it quality? And, and, and if it's not, I don't care what your profit margins are. You're selling crap and people will call you on the carpet. Here's what happened. So then this other friend, Lindsay Lively, who's an amazing painter, she sent me a G-Clay and I held this thing in my hand. And I was like, this is incredible. This feels good. This feels heavy. And I also learned as an illustrator to work on double, double weight. Because when an art director gets a single ply illustration and he holds it in his hand, it's, it, it's light. It's cheap. When he gets a painting or a drawing or what, an image on double ply, two ply illustration board, it's heavy. It's weighty. It feels different. So I learned that to create and only sell quality and only go after total quality. That's what I was after. Once I knew this G clay was fantastic. I started only going G clays and I actually raised my prices. But the cool thing was I didn't have to sell a G clay for 180, which a lot of people will sell like, Oh, that's a G clay. You also have people that don't have a freaking clue what the hell a G clay is. And then you have this, well, this is a $30 print. Why are you selling a G-Clay for 250 People don't understand. All I did was just take a G-Clay that's incredible quality, 100% all the time. Incredible. Every time I get a G-Clay, it's awesome. It feels good. I can price it in a medium place. They don't have to understand what a G-Clay is. And I'm still going to make a, a large profit off of that because it's a business that I'm doing. And I'm not soaking anybody. I'm actually giving them a great print. And it's happy. Uh, it, it works for both sides. So anyways, that's what I did. I'm not saying that's what everybody should do. And I'm not knocking anybody if they're selling a G clay for $250 at all, because sometimes uh, there's also limited edition prints and then there's unlimited open prints. I have an agent uh, with um, in, uh, in San Fran and they specialize in open edition prints. And that's a whole nother conversation as well. So what you're doing is amazing because your prints are priced higher because they're, they're, they're like, they're like collector's editions. Yeah. My prints, you know, you could collect my, my, my prints, but I'm not going after a limited edition print. I know my friend Davey O'Keefe does the same thing. He does limited edition and he charges more money for him. And that's incredible. I get it. 
what I wanted to do is just say, these are unlimited. These are open editions. They're just going to keep printing. I'm not going to get to an end of it. And then it's no longer available. I want to make my work available. So those are the things that I just have, have uh, sort of adopted and, and adjusted with. Does that make sense? Oh, oh absolutely. Sorry and, for the long-winded answer. No, no, no. Uh, hey, welcome to the podcast. That's that's what it's all about. We want the long-winded answers here. So, yeah. so uh, look, I, I, and going back to the book, back to Thomas Kincaid's book, that oh. idea of those limited editions, and really this idea behind uh, this this venture, Exonimo Editions, it's it's um, it was all about. Um, trying to find that balance in the price point, having something yeah. that was, was a high enough right. price point where it was worthwhile, but also yeah. creating something that was a, that was a tangible quality product. Again, I like what you're saying about the heaviness. Yeah. That's what we try to go yeah. for is a heavy, yeah. heavy print, totally. but, but, but then creating a few more options with sizes, because again, like yeah. before, previously you could buy it in two sizes. It was a kind of a medium size and yeah. then a gigantic size. Yeah. And there was a huge difference between them. But now what yeah. we've got is, is there is actually five options there for any every single one, but we've reduced the addition number within those size ranges. Great. So <laughs> so now now I've got to do you know a few more paintings for that series. But you know, there there is a place for those open editions because I I, I like what I do really love is the accessibility that that's available yeah. with your work. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I want this available for whoever wants it. Because, yeah. you know, it's super inspiring, man, to have a Thomas Fluharty on the wall. Uh, that that would be just so awesome. I mean, yeah. I, and I, I really got to put my money where my mouth is and actually collect some of your work now because I want, I want that book too, man. I want that book. Um, that would be so cool to see. Yeah, that, that, uh, that book is going to be cool. It's, it's, it's not available just yet, is it? No, I'm, uh, I sent them every image from the last 40 years that, uh, and most of them have not been in any books. Um, wow. I, I like... I just I just I duplicated a few cowboy drawings just because they were so iconic with uh, people wanting them. Not like not like I made an iconic image, but it's like uh, they were they were um, uh, very well liked. So I put them in the book just because if you didn't buy my cowboy book, um, then then they'll be in there because it's it's like a it's like a forty year collection of my work. So I have a lot of editorial work. Uh, in there, I have uh, the dog father in there with it. I just did. I have um, all the. I have. I have side by sides where I'm working next to a photo that I took, and then I show you what I did with it. So it's like, um, but it's visual heavy. The book is visual heavy, and it's 300 pages. It's That's just, insane. it's just crazy. That's it's just insane. called Th- Thomas Fluharty's Thinking Cool Art Book. 40 years of madness is what, is what it is. It's just like, <laughs> it's just crazy stuff. Like, yeah just the last 40 years, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 again, that's part of licensing as well. I'm, I'm selling my stuff. I'm, I'm trying to not have to go get a real job is the, is the idea. That, and, and, and just to put it out there, I, that's not to, um, cause I've said the same thing when I say that it's not to, to put down anybody that does have to, or is right now working a real job. But I think yeah. what, what I, what I've tried to do since I was about 21 is just keep that wolf from the door of going to get the yeah. job. I, I that yeah. was my last, uh, yeah. gig that I was employed with somebody else. And since then, and I've come close yeah. a bunch, right. dude, where I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Got to get out there with my 
resume and beat the page. Exactly. What what am I what am I qualified to do? Like my CV looks terrible. I've yeah. been fired from every job that I right. had, right. just about right. like every right. real job that I've had. So what yeah. am I gonna do? And um yeah. it was <laughs> but but I've managed so far. Uh yeah, you know, you're praise doing it, God, <laughs> praise God that I haven't actually had to go out yeah. and get that yet. But not nah, to shame anybody that is not to shame anybody that's actually doing that yeah. because no, not, not. one thing that I, I hope to encourage people to do with this podcast is to go look listen listen here to this conversation there are options out there today in today's world we've got online we've got our, our websites we've got we've got these these social media platforms that will pay you to put stuff out there you've got online yeah. advertising through facebook and, and instagram you can yeah. build a yeah. on art station or deviant art yeah. you can build a following for your art specifically yeah. carve out a niche yeah. you can license you can print and you can go and yeah. do the gallery model if you want to yeah. You know, there's yeah. so many options today. It's incredible. So I find somebody like yourself with, with this, the, the, the licensing side of things in terms of, you know, just the books. I mean, when I saw that the, the posts that you made about the book, you know, the cowboy book, I was thinking, you know, I want to bring out a book. It's, it's inspiring yeah. just to, you, you know, you see yeah. somebody doing something, you're like, man, yeah. and, and that's what I love about this as well. And the, something like Instagram is that you see other people out there doing it and it suddenly gives you this, this trigger, this positive trigger. And you're like, man, yeah. okay, there, there's something there. Okay. Let's go get it. Yeah. I, I had the thought just the other day, I can't remember what I was listening to, but I had the thought of like, um, why would I go to uh, Doubleday or Chronicle books who are, I love Chronicle books. They do great quality stuff. Why would I go to Chronicle Books and show them all my work and say, um, uh, hey, I, I'd like to do a book with you guys. And they go, fantastic. We love your work. Okay, here's the contract. You get 2%. Why would I do that? Why would I, why would I sign away something? Why would I get only 2% or 5 or 8 or 7 right? Or even just 15 Why would I do that? Why is this say you, you get 15%? That, that's, again, everyone has a different deal. But if you took it and you looked at those numbers and you said, okay, I'm with Chronicle, who the hell cares? It's like, we live in a day where I don't, I don't Seth Godin says this as well. You don't need as a band, a rock and roll band, you only need a thousand followers. You only need a thousand people that want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't need 2 million followers. I have friends with 2 million followers. It's crazy. I think they're insane and they're amazing people. They're amazing artists and they have, you know, 500,000 or whatever. I don't need that. I've actually monetized it. Thankfully I've monetized um, Instagram and I do these books. I, I'm, I'm dreaming and thinking and saying outside of being attached to any corporation, I don't need, I don't need that company to give me a book deal. And that's not arrogance. It's just saying, hey, you have people that are following you. People are listening. This is a tribe. And my goal is to create and educate and, and forgive this term motivate. Like, I will now motivate you. I don't mean that. What I mean is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something life-giving. I'm going to say something that could possibly be of help to you. And so this whole idea of motivate, people will say, dude, I'm so inspired by what you're doing. And I'm like, that's cool. That's, that's really what I would hope to do. I'm not trying to inspire you. I'm just being myself. I'm just on fire, like discovering and growing and developing and trying to just understand this whole thing. And it's like, 
the ideas of reaching out to the people that are already listening, that's all you need. And, and I would say this too, this is, this is it. It's like somebody would say, uh, if, if they're a musician and they, they want to do become a musician and, 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 and they're, 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 they know how to play the guitar and they know how to write songs, right? They know how to write them, but they don't have anybody following them. Anybody cares about their music. No one's, they're not, they're not blowing up, but they sure do have a look. And it's like my, it's like, my whole, my whole advice to a person would say, hey, don't work on your logo, work on your craft. Don't work on your face, work on your craft. Don't work on your clothes, work on your craft. Don't, don't work on your following, develop, grow, suck for a while. Just go study with great people, disappear for six months. Like there's a big thing out there now, disappear for six months. I'm tempted to do that. Cause I need to grow and understand and, and, and forget social media. I don't need more followers. I'm just saying mm-hmm. we don't need followers. We need to develop and grow as artists. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sorry, I'm getting on a soapbox. No, here, no, no. I like, love it. Dude, please, please. That's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not about your logo, dude. It's about how good are you? Mm-hmm. And even with Thomas Kincaid, when you go back to Thomas and I look at his work and I'm like, I just, I just, I'm not seeing greatness. I'm not seeing his work as being great. Mm. And that's mm. okay. Uh, there were other things that just blew up around him as a phenomena, but um, I don't count him as a great artist, but there's other things that I'm learning from him. And I tend to, I tend to just keep going back to the great artists and look at them. And to be fair, even when I look back at, at the, at the life work of uh, like, like a, a famous artist that we all know. I look at their work and I go, wow, everything they did wasn't a home run. And yeah. so that's freeing. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a video right now. Uh, by the time this goes out, I would have released it uh, on Patreon. I'm doing a video all about composition. And one of my favorite paintings by one of my favorite artists was this painting called Droving Into the Light by Hans Heysen. The original is hanging at the Art Gallery of Western Australia. Mm-hmm. So go and look that painting up, folks, if, you, if you're listening to this. Uh, just do a quick Google on Droving Into the Light. And it's a, uh, it's a painting of a, of, a, of a stockman and his border collie driving a herd of sheep, a flock of sheep down wow. a dusty road into the light. Mm-hmm. And, and it's stunning. And when you look at it, the painting is just balanced and beautiful and painterly and, and luscious and and gorgeous and the original is stunning and um i i was reading the backstory of this thing and and it's like this guy really struggled with this painting in particular wow. it went from one of his worst to one of his best that we know wow. him for and and so he exhibited it with uh with a couple of compositional elements that were missing and then he went back and reworked it so when you look wow. at the, the time frame of that painting it's driving into light 1914 to 1921 who takes that long to do a painting? Yeah, 1914 right. to 1921. What happened? So he exhibited it first. It fell on deaf ears. I mean, it just was flat. Yep. It just it just yep. dropped like a sack of potatoes. It just That's didn't normal. do anything. And then he took it back into the studio. He goes, there's something yeah. just not right about this. He reworked it and boom, there he goes. And, and so when you say, you know, not every artist hits a home run, you know, sometimes when we go back into the past, into the stories of some of the people that we put on pedestals, we forget that they're human. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. but the one thing I will say that the old masters, you know, just to generalize here, generally, the old masters did have one thing going for them, 
which was a consistency of awesomeness towards, you know, about halfway through their career, slow towards the end as they got really old and decrepit. Yeah, sometimes it fell off a little bit, except I think mm. Monet got better as he got cataracts, he got a lot better. Right. Um, but but I, looking at, at the work, you know, in, in, in old master's work, there's a consistency there. And I think that consistency comes out of a methodology, out of something that they're doing repeatedly. It's and right. I think they're drilling, they're practicing, they're doing yeah. what works. And yeah. I think we forget now so much to do that, to dedicate the studio time to working yeah. at the craft, improving the quality. Yeah. And you said something else just there that was really interesting. I don't think many people these days are prepared to have that period of years or however long it takes to just suck. It's okay yeah. to be in a period where you're growing yeah. and, and we're, you're not going to start off being the best at all, but recognize that Thomas Flew Hardy started somewhere. You know, I started somewhere. Other people, yeah. these people started, Soroya started somewhere. Sergeant started somewhere. Man, now I'm really huh. sounding on a soapbox myself, you know, but, but this is a thing we all start, right? We all start yeah. somewhere and you build it into something. So go easy on yourself and take that time. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the consistency of the masters and it's like they, they didn't, that's why they were great. It, it's not because they were just masters. It's like, oh, well, he's a master and I, and I can never be. Maybe you'll never be. But it's like I say this. There's, they were masters of skill set is what they were. Hmm. They, weren't, they weren't like uh, intuitively showing up every day and just slopping paint around and going, ah, that worked well today. I don't know how I did it. No, not at all. They were like okay, the drawing has to be there. I need to work on my drawing. I have to work on my drawing. I have to understand value. I need to work on my values. After I, after I study and practice and keep working on that skill, that skill set of values, value, I need to understand color. And I need to, I need to keep coming back to color and keep working on color, you know? And then color is value. Like, well, you know, that, that color right out of the tube, how light or how dark is that? And just having this, these, 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 um, these, these principles, they're not, they're not like magical. Uh, there's no magical skill set that that's hidden in somebody's pocket that, that the world doesn't know about. These are, these are, these are fundamentals, uh, skill sets that exist in the world that have been handed down. And they just simply worked on these skill sets, form, edges, composition. You know, these are things that are like, they can be known. They can be worked on. And if you, and that's what these ateliers are all about. It's like, if you can just keep working and you just say, today, I'm just going to work on value. I'm going to figure out how to go light, and how to go dark and how to control this painting with, with my values. There's a, there's an incredible day of learning. And then you do that for five years. All of a sudden you go, I think I'm figuring out value. I think I got it figured out. That's not arrogant to say, but I'm saying it's like seven or eight skill sets. That's about it. That's about all it is. And, and I see you do this with value as well. As things step away, they become lighter and they go back farther away. You get it. As, they, as things become forward, they become darker and more colorful. You get it. I see. I know that you know this. It's not a, it's not a chance accident like you were just hot that day. No. So I'm saying it's like those are the things. And you look at these great artists. I see them all the time. And I'm like, that guy gets it. So it's, it's, it's something that, that we can just keep growing on and keep working on every single day. 
It's to me, I look at it almost like learning that visual language that nature presents us with. You know, when we look at creation, it, it, it's just it's incredible. And I, so, right where I am right now, I, I ought to be able to turn this around, but I can't because it's all plugged in. I'll ruin the call. But if you could see the view that I'm looking at right now, right? So, I'm, I'm on the water. There's the ocean right there. There's Kinaparu sound and the Mal Marlboro sounds. There's there a is. mountain. There's a mountain across the water. As, as we observe nature, and I'm looking here like, Okay, I can see what nature's doing. It's a kind of an overcast day. The shadows in that mountain are purple and the wow. green yeah. is desaturated and yeah. it's blued out, yeah. it's hazed yeah. out. And, it, and yeah. the values, yeah. the, the darks have yeah. reached that midtone and the highlights yeah. have compressed down to near yeah. that midtone too. But yeah. here in yeah. the foreground, the range is extended. Yeah. So the brights are brighter, yeah. And, yeah. but the saturation is so much stronger right here with this yeah. tree right here that I'm looking yeah. at. It's and and so you see nature doing this. So you're like, okay. And right. it's about taking right. those things that are unconscious, making them conscious, and then replicating right. that. But what I'm interested in is like, okay, once you know that visual language, and 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 I'm not saying I know it. I mean, you get better, you get closer to it. Because really, I'm just imitating nature, trying to create an illusion on the two-dimensional surface I have. Right. But once you kind of get a hang of that visual language, then it becomes a case of where do I want to go now? Because what I want is I want all the roadblocks out of the way to just go, okay, it's time to paint a horse. Now it's a figure. Now yeah, it's a portrait. Right. Now it's a seascape. Now it's yeah. a mountain. How do I get that out of the way? Because I want to go everywhere in with painting. I want to paint That's everything. Tough. But I but it's it is. It's really hard. So so it's just drilling those fundamentals. And and as you say, I love that. You know, work on your skill set, right? Yeah. It's interesting because that's, I think that's the dilemma that happens, uh, you know, I'm, I'm maybe close to 40 years into being an artist uh, in creating. And um, I mean, I was doing it before, but I'm talking about a, as a professional, mm -hmm. uh, getting paid to do it. And it, 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 right now in my life, I'm like, it's, it's like, uh, what, what do I really want to paint? Am I just going to paint something because it's going to get likes on Instagram? Absolutely not. So my, my whole motivation, my whole direction is based off of what, where, what I want, where I want to go, what I, what I want to go after. So I have this saloon uh, fight, cowboy painting and the, the, the panel showing up here. It's six foot by three feet. Wow. It's going to be insanely cool. It's like, it's just crazy. So the panel showing up, I ordered it. And when that gets here, um, I'm going to, it's all drawn out. I've already drawn and designed and constructed the whole thing. I have it as a JPEG. I'm going to blow it up, put it on the board. And that's going to be this year of every time that I go to paint and, and it's going to get my time because I want to, I just want to do it. I don't even freaking care if I'm going to sell it. I don't even care. I have other ways that I'm going to make money, but I'm saying these are the things that like, this is the focus that I have. So if all of a sudden I start doing, uh, you know, painting, uh, painting a picture of Hillary, why? Or, or even a dog, why? So right now, the things that are fueling my, uh, my, 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 my moments of painting and, and aggressive trying to get to, to paint is um, I'm trying to solve problems so that of, of the Dutch Flemish approach so that when I finally get to the little head, the little face of the cowboy in the painting, I've been practicing and reworking and, and rethinking this approach. So I'm, I'm doing tons of paintings right now um, j 
just building my confidence and trying to solve problems. And so everything I'm doing is very well focused in a certain direction for a very specific reason. And if I go out and paint a landscape, which I am going to do this year, I'm just going to go out to paint to, to enjoy and to breathe a little bit and to disengage and have no motive. But the other cool thing is, as I did a cowboy study a couple, couple weeks ago, I put it up in my store and I sold it. So that's cool. So it's like, it's always connected. I want to monetize what I'm doing, but it always has to have a, a, um, a, a higher, a, a higher reason and uh, not just to do it just to have fun. Yeah, I get it, but it, it's all, it's all fun, but it's all connected and going somewhere for me. And I, I think you're probably the same way. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that because I've had to build that strategy in place of, of, you know, because it used to be so much pressure trying to try to sell the painting and then derive an income from a painting sale. So now so, it's yeah, changed exactly. the motivation totally, totally. Of, of, um, of doing the, the work. So, so now I, I focus on what do I really want to paint? What do I really want to say? So a bit like your cowboy painting, I'm doing this epic painting of horses at the moment uh, in the landscape. I, and it's, I didn't it's, see that. Yeah. It's a similar, similar size, but it, this, this painting is going to take me over a year to do. Uh, and yeah. I just chip away at it here and there, but it's, That's it's incredible, you know, but it's so much fun though. Just, just getting to a point where it's like, now I can finally just go, okay, what do I really want to do? Because the diversification has opened up that possibility. Whereas, you know, before it was, and it was great. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it beat anything else I could think to do it for a living, but it wasn't just like, I want to, I want to seascape Andrew. I want you to do another yelling up painting. I need Caragenia. I need yeah. the Kimberly. I need this. I need that. I'm like, well, I, I kind of sick of it now, you know, now I want to do yeah. what I want to do. So, you know, yeah. it's got to come. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And you know, because I diversify how I make money, I make money in about four or five different ways. Hmm. Um, it, it, the number one way that I make money is with schoolism. I teach. Mm -hmm. so that takes pressure off my back it's mm -hmm. it's just that's what i do i teach but i don't teach eight hours a day and go like oh, i'm just so tired or now i can finally go do what i want it's not that i don't want to teach it's just i don't want to teach full time or i somebody was like dude you should get on patreon and i was just like yeah, but then I'm going to have to create a video every week. And then that's going to take up time. What do I really want to do? I want to create for what I want to do. And then that's going to allow me because I'm doing these other areas that do make money. Um, you know, with I make money in my store uh, by putting up a drawing in there or a painting or, or turning it into a print. So I'm, I'm, I'm always doing everything I do has to make has, has to have like three ways to make money. Three ways that it can that it will make and it will generate money. So for example, um, I know I'm jumping around here, but basically if I'm drawing because I just want to draw it and I just want to draw it and develop and grow, I'll post it. I'll put the sketch in the store. I also, if it's a theme or whatever, I know I'm going to do a book next later in the year on my blue line drawings and I'll turn it into a book. So it already, I'll sell the original. First of all, I'll post it. I'll create and engage and, and sort of um, say something helpful. That's the first one. I'll also make that available in my store as a warm-up at a, at a reasonable price. I'll also turn it into a print, and then I'll also put it in a book. So there's like four ways I'm going to monetize that and more than likely sell 
sell all of those. Does that make sense? So, oh, yeah, yeah. That's one way along with schoolism. Then I, I work for the Washington Examiner. They call me up and say, hey, could you do the cover? And I'll, I'll work for two days on, on the magazine. And, and, and then I'm like creating right now other things that I'm just going to talk about and sell. So it can be done. You know, it can, yeah, it can really yeah. be done, but it's sort of organic. It's sort of like, like you said, you know, you're doing that horse painting. I think I saw a picture of it. It looked incredible. You're going to sell that thing. You're going to really sell it. You're not just doing it necessarily for your wall. You might put it on your wall, but you know, you really high percentage. You could sell that thing and you might even put, turn it into prints. So all of a sudden you've monetized it in two ways. You know, you have two percentages of selling that in, in one form or another. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really just weird. the original. When I, it's uh, cool. when I started doing that painting, um, it, it went through so many, you know, I, it was, it was one of those paintings that kind of came to me just a flash of inspiration. It was just like, bam. And I'm like, Oh, I'll go and paint that. It's really weird. Cause I was, I was working on it. And then I stepped back and I had a look yeah. at its latest yeah. iteration after doing the, uh, after doing the, <laughs> the design. And this composition has got a, a white horse, a red horse, yeah. a black yeah. horse, and a pale horse. And I'm like, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, All inclusive. Uh, except there is a fifth horse in there. So I'm thinking, okay, that twisted up. Oh, good save there. Good save. But it was a little bit. It's incredible. I've seen it. It's, it's, it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be epic, basically. It's like, oh, that, thanks, it's like that orange scene you did with those orange rocks. It was just freaking epic, like gigantic. And you're going into the into the water down like down into the you know and it's just like I, I, you're gonna sell it it's just I like got, i, I gotta tell you man i i don't ever want to do another one of those <laughs> just, i don't blame you i, I can't much. imagine i don't know why you did that it was, it was a like, commission it was a commission you know uh yeah yeah so th that guy that commissioned that um i won't mention his name but uh people people in australia would certainly know him um incredible billionaire billion billionaire uh and Excellent. he he flew my wife and i out to Karajini national park because he wanted wow. a, a scene from the place wow. where he it was important to him and mm. and he's got That's a huge so history cool. in that area and yeah. he's just like you know and, and when he started emailing me i'm like are you who i think you are and then he sent me photos of of him yeah. out yeah. in the space i'm like i'm like yeah. i said to rachel i said do you yeah. have any idea who this is kind of thing? And so, yeah, yeah. And, and I've still got the painting. It's like, it's like, bro, I've, I've done it. It's in the role. It's, I've got to ship this to you. And he's like, oh, you know, oh we'll work it out. He's already paid for yeah. it. I've, I've got, I got the check, but it's like, dude, let me That's send incredible. this to you. So uh, yeah, it, it, the world's a funny place. I think he's in limbo at the moment. He doesn't know where he wants to be in the world. So, you know, it's strange times. But, but commissions are, I mean, I do commissions as well, you know, like, um, like I, I did the Muppets, right. And, uh, and I, I, it just, people started buying, buying the original, they buy the prints of it and all. And so Muppets became this hot commodity, like, oh my gosh, then the actual, I, I can't say too much, but I got an actual commission from somebody high into the Muppet world. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it's like, you, like, I'm like, wait, are you who I think you are? And it's like, Yes, that's me. And I was like, okay, so I just finished this commission. I've got, I got maybe today <laughs> to finish it this evening or tomorrow, but he paid half in December. He just, 
I told him, Hey, it's going to be finished tomorrow. He just paid me the other half right now. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. So it's that kind of a thing where it's, it's all encompassing of, of, um, you know, again, just creating and engaging and being on social media, not trying to get the Muppets attention, but just, just doing, man, the Muppets are crazy. They're cool. Look at that. This is hilarious. I love the Muppets. Do what you love, you know, just freaking yeah. paint what you love, draw what you love, put it up. And if you have to work at a different job, that's okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's okay. You know? Mm. I've said it so many times on this podcast before, but I really feel that today, you know, hopefully people have been inspired by hearing of some different options and, and different examples of people out there doing it. But I, I think today more than ever, that diversification is going to be key because it, still people seem to have it in their mind that it's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to finish school. I'm going to go to art school. Uh, and then I'm going to do my, my body of work. Then I'm going to get into a gallery and then I'm going to sell and I'm going to, that there's a, there's a chain, there's a, a link of events mm -hmm. there that are going to happen. And I had that in my mind that that's exactly the way it would work for me. Mm -hmm. And it did, but now things are, things are different. And had I the opportunity to go back and do it over again, I would have done it really differently, man. But I, I want people to hear that there are options out there that it doesn't have to be a set path that the options that yeah. are available now, we have so many more tools available to us now yeah. than we did. I mean, look, man, when you started 40 years ago for me, when I started yeah. 20 years ago, there, yeah. there's so many different options now. Here's a question. I have a question. You, you piqued a, 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 my interest here. So what would you have done differently? I wouldn't have gone to art school. You said you, said you did this and this and this, and, but if yeah. I did it now, I'd do it differently. What would you do differently? I, I, I would have left high school as soon as I was able to. I would have actually left school. Um, and, and, and I say that reservedly because I, I, you, you have to, people have to make their own decision there, but mm -hmm. school was not a place for me. It wasn't a place that was serving me. Um, and I would have gotten out right. of that environment because I was pretty badly bullied in school. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh. so getting out of that situation to just being myself and creating and, and washing dishes, if I yeah. had to bussing tables, yeah. delivering yeah. papers, whatever I had to do, maybe laboring yeah. or whatever, yeah. I would right. have done it just to, to paint and build up my skill set. Then I wouldn't have yeah. gone to art school. Because what happened in art school, I, I had this, this idea in mind that I would go, okay, I'm going to go to university, and they're going to teach me how to paint. Right. Didn't happen right. that way. Right. What ended up happening? They, they taught me how to be a, a, uh, a contemporary artist. I, I tried doing that and I was very bad at it because I, I didn't understand that world or that game or what was happening. Now, people know I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. I am convinced that modern art was a conspiracy and now it's an elaborate money laundering scheme. I'm convinced it's of it. Scam. Because it's you cannot tell me that you can duct tape yeah. a banana to a wall and that's going to win a prize. Yeah. And yeah. now anything goes, it's like, there's no winning this game. I'm out, I'm out. And, yeah, and but that's, right, that's right. exactly what you learn for three years. So they, the university tertiary institution gets their money. And then, and then you all, all it's done to you is it's made you bitter opinionated and maybe interesting at a dinner party. Cause you could throw out some fancy word. I, I, I I'm done, man. I'm done with that. So I, I would yeah. not have gone at all. I don't care about it because here's the thing in my career in 20 years of painting professionally, I have never once been asked to produce my university degree or, or any right. evidence of a qualification. Right. Not once. The only thing yeah. anybody's wanted to know is what can you do? Let's see your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's your uh, history of uh, sales uh, records or whatever, if I was going yeah. for a gallery yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Right. So, right. so dude, I would have done that completely differently because 
looking back, it was just, it was a waste. But then again, I learned yeah. something. So was it a waste? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I had this brain to put in that younger body going back all that time ago, I, that's what I would have done. I said, hey, hey, man, get out of that place. It's not serving you. And just focus on this. And then I, I would have met Rachel many years earlier and stopped wasting uh -huh. my time there and gone and married that girl when I was like, you know, 21 or whatever. <laughs> Instead of meeting you know, her later in life. But it's the way it, life goes. I think I think the, the one thing that comes to my mind when you say uh, this, this when you when you talk about your trajectory of what you would do now, and even my trajectory, um, the the way where I am today, probably within the last year, I came to a few conclusions. And again, you know, it sounds it may sound pompous to talk like this. I don't mean this. It's just more things that I'm thinking more sanely now. Yeah. Number one, I'm not going to be a millionaire uh, unless I hit it off on an NFT. And uh, I'm, I'm looking into NFTs, but I'm not going to go chase that, right? Uh, but it is legit. I think it's legit. I don't want to get into NFTs, but I'm not going to chase it because of, uh, you know, people crap sold 66 million. He made 100 million this year. I'm not going to buy it. I don't need it. My, my point is I don't need to be a millionaire. That's my point. That's, mm. that's my rescuing thought. I don't need to be a millionaire. If it happens, cool, but I'm not going to chase it. I'm not going to chase money. The other thing I came to realize, it's like, I, I only need to do what I'm doing right now to be happy. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy in my life. Uh, art is not going to make me happy. And, um, I'm happy, you know, and I'm grateful for to do art. It's incredible, but I don't need to make a million dollars to be happy. The other thing is, okay, this is going to sound maybe a little like bitter, but I don't mean this bitter. It's that, and I might insult some gallery owners here. Gallery owners don't know what they're looking at. They don't, they don't know how good Joe Blow is. They don't know how good you are. They don't know how good Jeremy Lipking is. They don't know how good Joe, Joe Paquette is. They don't know how great these guys are, right? Yeah, they don't yeah. know. Yeah. They might be good businessmen. They might say, oh, yeah. oh this, this is good. You still don't know. It'd be like me listening to a drummer and going, I drum, right? I, I've drummed ever since I was a little kid, but I, I can't support my life. But all of a sudden I hear a drummer and I go, wow, that guy's great. Neil Peart or Stuart Copeland or Buddy Rich goes, nah, they're not really that great. Meaning, I don't know what I'm listening to. I don't know really how great a drummer is. And so it carries over. Like, people are going to miss what I do. I don't, I don't need a gallery owner to validate me. I don't need uh, anyone to validate what I'm doing. I'm just, like, trying to be focused with developing and growing and studying with great people because I just want to be great at understanding this stuff. This is, this is deep water here. This is, this is some deep crap. It is really deep. The water's deep, right? Every, all the skill sets we talked about, this whole thing, creating. And it's just like, it's not just technical um, savvy. You have to have a voice. You have to have focus. You have to know what you want to create and do and say something. It's not just like, oh man, do you see how photographic that looks? That sucks. So I'm saying it's all these yeah. things that have come to my, to, to sort of like crystallize that I don't need validation from anyone. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I'm happy. I don't need validation. I don't need to be in a gallery to feel like I've arrived the top gallery in the world. Hey, you see this guy's in there and therefore I must be, no, I don't need it. And so I'm just thinking, 
okay, how can I keep monetizing, creating what I want to do and just go about my day having fun and creating and, and with the idea of monetizing it. But to me, that is, those are the things I've come that have sort of rescued me from the, the rat, the, the wheel, the spinning wheel of trying to be validated or trying to be recognized or trying to make a million dollars or trying to get in the right gallery. People don't know what they're looking at. They don't know how good you are, how good I am. They, they, just, they have no clue. But, but you and I, when we talk, we, we pat each other on the back and we go, dude, you know how freaking awesome you are? I go to someone else <laughs> that I know is amazing. I go, dude, you know how freaking awesome you are? And then like my mom would be like, what makes him so good? You know? And it's okay. She just doesn't know. But I'm saying yeah. we, we know when we do this stuff after all these years, you know, you get together, you go, oh my gosh, this dude is freaking awesome. Look at the way he does this. Look at the way he does that. And that's, that's like a dance that we know at this level and it's perfectly legit and fine. Mm -hmm. Not trying to elevate myself or ourselves above everybody like we're in this little club. But in one sense, as you do this a long time and you really start understanding this stuff, you really start taking appreciation for amazing artists that are like freaking just with economy. They did like John Navarro just freaking draws. He drops his pencil and it's money. Right. Yeah, so you just like, yeah. you just, you just sort of like go off on it and you, you, you appreciate the finer mm. qualities of the higher levels mm. as you get better. Incredible. I, I tell you when, man, like, I mean, looking at some of those people and the names that you were talking about, like Joe Paquette, for instance, as well. Like when I look at Joe Paquette's work, I, I realize like, I know nothing about plain air. Like that guy is is just the bomb. It's it's amazing to see what he does. Yeah. I'd love to get him on the podcast one day and talk to him. He's just, you should. Yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to him. I'll reach oh, out to him. I'd appreciate that, man, because I I just hold him in such high regard. I mean, like he, yourself, and, and he's it's money. Just, it's, yeah. He's just such yeah, an amazing artist. But you know, it, it's interesting. He's a great I, human being as well. Oh, cool. He's a great human being as well, and he's humble that's the difference like when you get yeah. people that are arrogant and i know very little arrogant artists I, all the great artists are humble you Isn't know they cool? really are they're just incredible Isn't so cool? so yeah because they understand they they get like how this is freaking difficult stuff and i'm only oh. so good i mean there's michelangelo yeah. dude like where how could you ever think you, you you've arrived when michelangelo is staring you uh, he's standing behind you it would be like if you were to party and you were like yeah well and you were bragging and then michelangelo showed up and tapped you on the shoulder and you turn around you turn like a million shades of red because you'd realize oh there's yeah. the king <laughs> you know yeah but anyway Joe's the real deal but the interesting thing about somebody like michelangelo is that is that i imagine that creative struggle was still with him because he's trying like just desperately trying to understand the world around him, right. the visual right. world. And he's trying to carve something out of a solid piece of rock. Yeah. Right. And he's probably just going nuts going, right. how do I make this look? And how do I make the tension in these muscles feel right? Like David, no. you know, this like, yeah. come yeah. on, man, come on. Like I you know. want, you want to talk about difficult, carve it out of a piece of rock I know. without I know. power I know. tools. Without it's supernatural, <laughs> dude. It's super. It, it's 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 otherworldly, is what it is. That that's what oh. I mean. Like, you know, I might have I might have some understanding, mm -hmm. but you just look over there and you just go, okay, I'm nothing. It's fine. Yeah, I don't yeah. have to be. I don't have to be better than anyone. I just need to do what I do. Keep practicing. Keep studying. And, and so, you know, what I think this does is it shifts that that focus from the external to the internal, right? So it's like when you when you're trying when you're engaged in something that is difficult, it's just part of the task. It's it's a hard yeah. thing to do. Mm -hmm. you, you you suddenly because I, I okay, back in the day, 
well before he was on the podcast, and I think he was podcast number three, I was talking to this guy who's kind of a big new ager, um, Dr. John D. Martini. Cool guy, interesting guy. Um, I've kind of moved on from the philosophy a little bit, but not to put him down, but I, there's a couple right. of things there that were a little bit funky to me now right. looking at it. But anyway, that being said, he did have you know some really interesting things to say and a lot of really, really cool things to say. But when I was doing some one-on-one stuff with him and, and just talking to him you know, as a bit of a coach type, um, he was asking me, you know, it's like, what do you want? And I, I, this is years ago. And I said, look, and I, I, I might've shared this on the podcast, but maybe some people are hearing this for the first time, but I had it in my mind, like, like maybe going on 10 years ago, I said, when, when people are looking back at the end of my days, I want people to go, you know, have on their one hand, you know, Michelangelo, Da Vinci, um, you know, uh, Caravaggio, uh, Raphael or Tyson, and then Tischler or Rembrandt Tischler. I want Tischler to be on that hand, you know? Yeah. And he's like, right. And, and we started talking. And now I, I, now I go back and I, I laugh at myself for even going there. Not that I, I like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever do that. But the thing that I've realized is that, there is no happiness or fulfillment in focusing on validation or anything external. The only fulfillment is by searching that thing that is internal. The minute I started going, how do I maximize the gifts that I've been given the blessing that this is to live this creative life. And then suddenly I realized I don't need to matter to anybody. The only thing that really matters is, is authentically scratching that itch inside and then teaching somebody else how to do that. And yeah, just bringing others, myself yeah. down, like, 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 mm-hmm. just because you, mentally you project yourself outwards into the future going, I want to do this. And you realize that it, it doesn't matter and you're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that you're yeah. going to do is make yourself miserable. You yeah. know, it's, and, and, yeah. and I did, I spent a lot of years being quite miserable. Um, it's like you, man. It's like, it's like, you're, you're, yes, you're in a, a constant state. You correct me if I'm wrong, but in a constant state of of growth and discovery, but in many ways you're there because you're just showing up and it's like, I'm drawn today. So I've arrived, I'm happy, but I'm going to learn something today. I'm going to explore something today. I'm going to work something out today and I'm just going to do it. You know, it's, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, you know, and to be fair, like I was jerked around for 35 years, uh, drawing storyboards and art directors didn't know, if I was good or bad or just a risk that sometimes they would call you a risk. Yeah. I need a risk for this job. You need a risk. You need just a hand. I'm not a hand. Okay. I'm an artist. So, you know, in drawing like, uh, you know, chicken commercial or like, you know, Coca-Cola or M&Ms and, you know, you, it's just this rapid repetition of 30 frames due in two days and you give up your life and you, you just, you just don't get up from your table. You can't go to the store and, you know, it sounds like a sob story, but 35 years of being jerked around, uh, drawing under incredible pressure and being just jerked around. That's what set me up to, to be able to do the things that I'm um, doing now. And, uh, you know, I said this before, like Solzhenitsyn, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was put in prison for, I don't know, 30 years. And when he got out, they said, what do you think about prison? And he said, bless you, prison, because it taught him so much. And so with storyboards, I say, bless you, storyboards, you know. Oh, wow, man. 
So it's like storyboards really were my friend at the end of the day, but it was really difficult and um, they pay a lot of money, but man, just drawing scenes from the ground up, drawing a, a woman standing in a kitchen, pouring orange juice. How does she hold that? How does she hold that carton? How does she hold the glass? What, what is her, I had to draw those faces at three different angles. I mean, so I was doing that for 35 years. So then when I, 2015 started drawing pop culture I had, I had already been doing um caricature but all that to say it's it's just it's just repetition and working out and lifting and training i think you did something that just said getting my reps in you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like I'm, I'm working out so i'm still working out i'm still shooting free throws every single day like i don't have this figured out i have some things figured out but I'm there. It's just like that's what the next 30 years would be for, maybe, you know, to keep growing and pressing in. You never arrive. You never arrive. So. And, and, and I hope never to arrive because I think that's when it will stop. That's when the gig's up, yeah. right? It's right, like, I'm right there. Up. Okay. I guess yeah. I can go and die yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And then Michelangelo <laughs> taps you on the shoulder. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> oh, sorry, Mick. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I, 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 I didn't see you there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> can I go get you something to drink? <laughs> yeah. Well, Thomas Fluharty, listen, brother, it's been such a joy talking to you again here. I just want to thank you so much for sharing with us what you're doing. Uh, before, before you go, uh, what what's 2022 got in store for you? What's something that you're really inspired by? What's something, what's the new direction? You're going to look a little bit more at this licensing thing, some more of these products kind of thing, but what, what's on the drawing board for you in 2022? Um, the drawing board for me in 2022, at least what I know right now is, is I'm going to start this cowboy saloon fight painting. It's already drawn out. It's already designed. I did the photo shoot last year. It's just, it's just waiting to be done. So that's going to get my attention and I'm going to do an underpainting first. Uh, I'll probably do a few shots and posts and stuff. I'll probably post the original. I mean, the, uh, the sketch on social media, talk about it and just sort of walk people through. I never show works in progress ever because by the time you keep showing works in progress, I'm not saying you can't do it, but for me, every time I've seen someone show every little move they do when it gets to the final, I'm just like, I don't care anymore. I've seen this a hundred times, you know? But I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be working on that. I'm going to be developing. And then my goal this year is to paint uh, way more than I draw. And, um, and that's really what I'm doing right now. I've got, um, I've got a Luke Skywalker. I've got Princess Leia. I've got Obi-Wan Kenobi that I've uh, uh, various stages of uh, growth, I mean, of development. And I'm going to be painting them and then I'll be posting them. And uh, I just want to become a better painter this year and, and get myself in difficult spots. And I'm just, I'm, I'm learning so much with painting. It's just like, it's so freaking cool. So I just want to develop as a painter outside of drafting, draft, being a draftsman. And uh, so I'm, I'm super pumped, you know, and, uh, and you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just super excited. And then I might do a workshop uh, in, in Minneapolis this year, like a week long of painting and drawing. I've got to figure that out. But other than that, it's just it's just cool, you know. So I, again, you know, just again, I want to just thank you for having me on. Um, I admire your work so much and you as a person. Um, it's just it's a great time to engage and, and just sort of uh, sort of, um, you know, um, uh, exalt in the coolness of art, man. It's just it's just, oh, thank you. It's no. thinking cool. That's that's the word, man. It's stinking just so cool. cool. 
Yeah. That's so, awesome. And then this book, by the way, this book will be out this year. There'll be a Kickstarter. The book will come out at some point this year. Awesome. And uh, and then I might be at Lightbox in, in 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 the fall, maybe October first, somewhere around there in Cali. Uh, so awesome. all that to say, it's just awesome. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Creative Endeavor. We'll keep in touch. Honor, my honor, dude. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for joining me on the Creative Endeavor podcast. And a huge thank you to Thomas Fluharty for joining me. Man, what an epic guy. What a great conversation this was. I hope you are feeling as inspired as I am. Please go and follow Thomas Fluharty right now on Instagram. Just check out the show notes that go with the description of this podcast. You'll find that little Instagram handle there. And also go and follow him on his website. Check out maybe one of his books. Keep an eye out on some of that cool merch he's got coming out as well. I'm going to continue to follow after Thomas Fluharty and watch his work and his man his creative journey with interest he's just such an inspiring dude and who knows he might even be back on the creative endeavor at some point very soon in the near future i just love talking to him so again if you enjoyed this conversation please take a moment and leave me a rating or a review on any audio platform you're listening on it makes a huge difference to the show thank you so much for sticking around with me here i really enjoy bringing these conversations to you are you enjoying the creative endeavor Are you getting something out of this? Are you glad it's back? Well, I've got a few more episodes up my sleeve and it looks like we'll be able to bring these out as a weekly show here for the near future. So looking really forward to that. So watch this space, stick around. I've got plenty more to share. Now I'm gonna get out of here and get back to painting. It has been so good spending this time with you here in the studio. And I'll see you again very soon in another episode of The Creative Endeavor.